Welcome to Higher State of Being, our bi-monthly podcast about how you can live your best life. I'm Kat Cogren. And I'm Teddy Rocklin, certified clinical hypnotherapist and registered psychotherapist. Together, we're going to explore topics that we all care about, like how to improve sleep, how to reduce anxiety, and how to have healthier relationships. We will be inviting expert guests to share their professional knowledge on each of these fascinating topics and so much more. At the end of each episode, we'll post a guided meditation so that you can reinforce the techniques and strategies that we've discussed. Each podcast, together with the associated guided meditation, will help you live your life more fully and reach a higher state of being. Hi, and welcome to Higher State of Being. Things are going to be a little bit different today because I am going to be interviewing our co-host, Kat Cogren. Would you like to say hello? Hello, everybody. How are y'all today? And also, uh, our very good friend, Alicia Gordon, who is a personal trainer and a healthy lifestyle coach, because our issue today that we're talking about is how do I get moving? How do I get moving? So, Kat, why do you think this is something we want to be talking about now? Well, definitely moving our bodies is a very important part of a holistic, healthy, higher state of being. We, you know, we spend so much time in our heads. We spend so much time in our homes. We spend so much time just really kind of setting sedentary in our lifestyles these days. So having the motivation to get out and move your body and get out and you know have that physical experience is really part of a full higher state of being person at person. And you know, I'm gonna I'll probably say this a couple of times throughout this whole podcast, but the my fitness and my exercise and being able to celebrate the movement of my body is one of the greatest mental health strategies that I have. So it's it's very important part of what I do as a person to keep balanced and healthy and and clear headed. Not let not let all of the troubles of the world get me too far down. If I can get out and move, life is much better. Um, that's my reason for making this a big, a big priority. Great reason. It sounds like, you know, once you get your body moving, everything else kind of falls into place and you get better, clearer perspective. Really valuable totally. right now. So Alicia, Alicia Gordon, personal trainer, lifestyle coach to the stars. And you have an interesting story about bodybuilding or bodybuilding competitions. What's your history? What's, what's the deal? Yeah, so I just really love to to talk about health and wellness and and fitness as a part of that. So um, I really have been into fitness my entire life, but uh, I got to be um, pretty close to age 50, and that was the first time I hired a personal trainer, and for some silly reason, he talked me into doing a bodybuilding show. (laughs) How did it go? It was... It was so much fun and definitely more than physical. So um, he coached me through everything. But the, the biggest thrill was just seeing how dedication and um, just staying focused on what your goal is, how you can really make a difference in your uh, physical appearance and your mental health. And then 
just being up there on stage when I was 50 years old and having everybody stare at me in a bikini much, much smaller than any underwear I've ever worn in my life <laughs> was uh, actually so much fun. It was, it was just, the experience was phenomenal. Nice. So much so that I did two more, so. That's great. So even though you've been a, a mover and a shaker your whole life, it wasn't until you got in your 50s that you decided to get the confidence and go forward and actually be competitive about it. Yeah, and it was something I never thought I would do. But again, you get around the right people to motivate you to get out of your comfort zone and to grow. And uh, it was just a great experience. I really loved it, every minute of it. Great. That's so good. That is, that's inspiring. So Kat, when you and I were talking about um, wanting to cover this topic, one of the things that you and I were discussing is what are some of the reasons that people don't? What are some of the reasons that people don't get into exercise or don't even just get up and move? I know for some people, they think it's too late or they'll procrastinate or they don't even know where to start. But why do you think that some of the people who have a hard time just getting themselves moving are having such a hard well, time with the, the impetus to go. Right. The, the reason to get out there and go. And, and I can, you know, honestly, even though I've been a lifelong athlete, um, I can speak to this from my own experience because there are always times where you just don't feel like it. And there's, there's times when I even want to go do things and I think, oh, I'm not good enough. Even, you know, at doing what I do, I'm not good enough to go with those people or go do that sport or, you know, you can make up all kinds of crazy things in your head, right? Sure. Um, one big thing I hear from people is like, I just don't know where to start. I bet Alicia, you hear that too with, with some of the people you work with. It's like, I don't know how to get started. I'd love to take up cycle cross, which is the latest sport that I added to my quiver here, but I don't know how, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get out there and, and get started. So I think that's a big reason why people don't, um, you know, so those are a couple of things that I hear. And then time, we just get buried with a bunch of other things to do. And one of my strategies, and we'll talk about this later too, is make it, I put it on my calendar. You can go look at my calendar and all my workouts are scheduled on there so that I don't let anything else take priority over it, um, you know, unless it's an absolute true emergency. But for the most part, that's part of my day, and I don't don't have that excuse. I can check that one out, out of the off the list. It's, I don't have time. Right. So, Alicia, when you're working with someone who's who's just coming to you for the first time, or they're saying, "I really want to," but what are some of the buts that you're hearing? Why are people sabotaging this? Um, again, so many people are afraid to make that first step and it, um, it took me a little while when I first started, um, to, to help people and to be a personal trainer, uh, because it's something that I've done most of my life that when you haven't done it, you know, things that seem natural to me or, um, simple or easy really are not easy for people. So it really does take a lot of, um, of uh, just motivational interviewing and coaching to just understand 
what their personal obstacles are and then help them work through those. Um, and that's, that's what I, my initial consultation that I do with people is I just really listen and get to know where they're at. Have they, you know, worked out before ever in their life or are they brand new to the gym and it scares them to pieces to just come through that front door. So it really, we take baby steps, very, very little baby steps. And that is amazing how once people take those couple of steps and then we build from there uh, just to watch their confidence go grow and um, get used to it and start really enjoying the process because it's a journey. It really is a journey. Um, and, and you may have an ultimate goal, but it's really a lifelong journey. Okay. I know with a number of my clients that I work with when they want to start, you know, they want to get to exercise and they're not really sure where to even start or what to do. Of course, the suggestion to start with a personal train, personal trainer is a, is a great idea. Uh, this is someone who's experienced in how to get other people motivated. Ask one of the neighbors to come along with them. But one of the things I really like to suggest to people is first things first, have your sneakers on or have your sweats by the bed so that when you get out of bed first thing in the morning, it helps to, uh, to mitigate those excuses or the procrastination or the things that are going to come, that you're going to allow to get in the way. Um, I like mm -hmm. to offer the suggestion, um, put on your workout clothes and go to the gym parking lot. You don't even have to get out of the car. Just go to the gym parking lot, park the car. Because if they're at the parking lot, they're going to get out of the car. They're going to go in. And once they're inside, they're going to get on a machine or whatever that looks like. Ask a friend, schedule, like you were saying, Kat, get something on the schedule that you can do it with. Take the stairs instead of the elevator. Do squats when you're on your way back from the bathroom. So just these little, these little steps when people are, oh, here's my excuse, here's my don't. What I'm hearing you, you both saying also is get it on the schedule make it a, a workable thing, find some accountability. But let's talk a little bit about the mechanics of the motivation and, and what that yeah. actually, how do you actually do that when the well, desire not to is right there? A lot of the things you just mentioned, Teddy, are what are part of what I like to call the mechanics of motivation, the actual mm. how to motivate yourself. Yeah. You mentioned... Um, you know, getting prepared in advance, having your gym bag packed the night before so you don't have to scramble around trying to find something and then, oh, wait, I'll be late for work, so I'll just do it next time. So making sure that you have everything ready in advance so that you're ready to go to the gym in the morning. You don't have to worry about that. Or whenever mm -hmm. it is, if it's after work, have your bag in the car. So all you have to do is stop and go. Um, you know, one of the big things I like to to think about or thinking through the obstacles, like what is going to get in my way today or this week that's going to keep me from being able to be motivated to go work out. Um, a very good example is I've started a, a new, um, a new job, right? So a new routine, new schedule. I'm working a lot with Europe and India. So my early mornings are taken up trying to deal with the time zone so those are big obstacles to my routine and it's very easy to get unmotivated to go work out when your normal routine is messed up. So thinking through those obstacles and going, all right, 
well, now my mornings are tied up. It's hot in the afternoon. You know, what is that going to look like? How am I going to make a plan around that? So really thinking through the obstacles. And then, like I said before, you know, is making it a priority, making sure that it's scheduled just like all other important things in your life. You know, it's like, I'm planning to see my grandkids this weekend, but I'm before that, I'm going to get my three workouts in this week. And then probably the most important thing is make it joyful, right? Don't look <laughs> at it as a, oh, I, there, there's a quote and I can't take credit for this quote. Um, another great motivated guy I know put this on his Facebook page, but I love it. It says, look at exercise as a celebration of being able to move your body, not a punishment for something you ate, right? <laughs> so, right. you know, make it joyful and fun. Um, you know, so pick an activity that you like. Pick it in a place. If, if you like hiking, go hiking. If you like swimming, go swimming. If you like dancing, dance. If you like to dance while hiking, like I do, do that, you know, just make it fun and joyful. Um, you know, those are really the, the mechanics of motivating yourself. Be prepared in advance, think through all the obstacles, make it a priority and celebrate it. Have fun. Enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alicia, I've been wondering about this and I wonder if you're comfortable speaking to this, how some people are more internally motivated. They can do something because they think that that's something they want to do. And other people are more externally motivated. They kind of need that someone coming from the outside, pushing or encouraging them. I imagine in your work, you see that quite a lot. How do you tend to address those two particular ways of being motivated? Um, again, it comes down to that, you know, initial interview and then being with people um, uh, when we have our sessions and just uh, really listening uh, one thing that comes to mind, though, is many times it does come from external motivation when someone's new to just getting their body moving. So what is what are those external motivations? And we talked about them earlier. What I found and what personally happened for me, you know, many years ago was you you get those external motivations going. You have you have your workout partner, you have your personal trainer um, you have your goals and pretty soon and I think Kat may have said this earlier um, it exercise and 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 you know even eating well helps you accomplish all those other things in your life and it sets up your day for success uh, and then you go through these steps and you just kind of make it a little bit of a habit and that's where the transformation comes from external to internal. Absolutely more people have more internal motivation than others. But for those who don't have a lot of it, pretty soon the process brings them to the internal motivation because then they start to feel better. Then they actually get to a point where they are you know, feeling lethargic or um, exhausted or tired because they haven't gotten their exercise in that day or that week. And so it's a process, in my opinion, that you really can get to that internal motivation with some time, patience, and practice. Great. Yeah, you I would, I'm sorry, I was going to say, I would agree with that. And I don't think, 
I also see them going hand in hand. There's a lot of external motivation that I have on a continuous basis, but internally is the, my internal motivation is the driver, right? It's that clear head. It's that mood enhancement that I know is going to happen. It's the, it's all those things that are internal, but the external is still there, right? I still like, you know, the way my clothes fit when I'm, you know, exercising. I still like the way, you know, my blood pressure is lower when I'm exercising. All of these things from the external motivation, you know, being with my friends, uh, riding bikes, those things are still very important too. So one doesn't preclude the other, but having both definitely is the ultimate place to be. Yeah. When you're, uh, when you're working with a client or working with somebody new, do you generally find there's a certain amount of time that it would take to go from the external motivation to where the internal gets easier? Like, do you ask people to stick with it for a month or give it three months or do this for at least two weeks? Is, do you notice patterns? Uh, there, there definitely are patterns. And... Um, people are all very different on how they get there. So my um, plan is to have them not think too far in the future and just show up tomorrow, put it on your calendar and show up next week and just take those small steps again. Right. And pretty soon they get to a month or they get to two months and then they are, and, and Kat's exactly right. It really is internal and external. And once they get more of that internal, um, then they become more motivated, more committed, um, happier, healthier, all of those great things. Sure, sure. I know from my own experience, I have a history of going through periods of, I don't feel like it. And then suddenly something just clicks and I've got to do something. I can't keep doing nothing. So I'll start small. But the fact is, if I just start with, I'm just going to take a a 20 minute walk. Once I'm out, I usually feel like being out longer. And after I exercise, I feel like eating healthier and I feel like drinking more water. So it just is this continual positive spiral. If I'm making one good choice, I'm probably going to make five instead of if I don't make one, I'm probably not going to make any. I imagine that's pretty, (laughs) pretty common. That that is definitely pretty typical for sure, right, Teddy. Right, and the reward is is so it's so wonderful because the mood improves, the mental clarity improves, just across the board, you you feel so much better. So I did want to ask you both about this also this idea of no pain, no gain. A lot of people I think don't start because they think it's going to hurt, and sure, maybe for some people, depending on what they're doing, it does. But how would you address this idea of it's painful? versus it's uncomfortable versus it's supposed to be a little uncomfortable. How do you, how do you go about doing that? Well, I can, I'll start from my perspective and then Alicia, I'd love to hear your perspective from a, from a personal trainer's point of view, you know, uncomfortable versus painful. Those are two very different, um, different states of being, right? We talk about it in our pain management podcast, which was just a couple of weeks ago. Uncomfortable means this is something that I'm not used to doing. It's, and I, I, my trainer always says this, get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Because you might be in a plank position for a, 
60 seconds and it's very uncomfortable, but it's not painful. Nothing's being hurt. There's no danger to my body. It's the difference between picking up something that's, you know, very warm, like a coffee cup and being able to hold it and carry it to the table and set it down versus touching something really hot and you have to drop it because it's going to burn you. So know the difference. If it is painful, stop doing it because you don't want to hurt yourself or injure yourself because then you're not going to be able to continue your workouts or your walks or whatever it is. But if it's just your body warming up, which is what happens, your, your muscle starts getting increased blood flow to it, your ligaments and tendons start to stretch and move, your lungs, your heart, all of that, it's uncomfortable when you first get started, but it tends to improve. And once you get to what they call that runner's high or whatever exercise you do, you'll get there to this point where your body is warm, you are feeling good, the endorphins are starting to kick in. That's the gain. So the pain is really not pain. The pain is uncomfortableness. And then you get to the gain. The gain is a real state that we want to get to. Um, and that's what, that's what I see and what I experience. Um, and then, of course, sore muscles and those things happen. But again, that's part of the process. Alicia, your thoughts? Uh, I agree with everything you mentioned there. Um, people then, when they do this for a little while, really start getting in tune to their body. So you will know eventually, do I have an injury? Am I just really tired today? Um, it, you know, obviously, if you do have an injury or a sharp shooting pain, then, then yeah, you stop what you're doing and, and you listen to your body. But you get to the point, you mentioned those sore muscles, to where you can't wait to feel those sore muscles. And that is awesome when people go, woohoo, I couldn't get off the toilet today. And you're, like, and, and, and you're celebrating that and laughing about it and you're happy about it. And so right, right. Yeah, it just makes, yeah, you look forward to, to some of that pain, which gets you to the right. pains you mentioned. Because you know that's where you're headed towards the gain. You know, when when I added a new exercise routine and my hamstrings and quads are sore, I know I'm getting stronger. So I have a different reference for that pain than say maybe when you're just first getting started and it's you're you're not sure. So you know, definitely listen to your body. I know I need 12 minutes now on the bike to get warm. You know that that first 12 minutes is good. I'm gonna want to go home the whole time. <laughs> but if I get past that 12 minutes, then I'm going to start feeling really great. And it's going to be a much better day because of it. Absolutely. So it, sounds, it sounds like we're talking about this distinction of it's uncomfortable, but I can power through. Like when you're, you're just starting to do a, a workout routine or just starting to do maybe something you pulled up on YouTube, if you're not a big gym goer or you're just getting started, is this uncomfortable, but I can do two more. I can hold it for five more seconds. There's, I can, I can power through this. Or is it the uncomfortable, I can keep going, but I need to slow down or I need to have a little bit less weight in order to be doing more reps. And those feel very different from the, oh, this is painful. I have to stop right now or I'm going to do damage. And it sounds like both of you are, are coming from this perspective that you feel the difference. Discomfort and pain feel very different and there's different ways to approach them. 
Yeah, yes, absolutely. definitely. Okay. Um, I think that uh, one of you had mentioned earlier about pushing the comfort zone just a little. Um, yes. Well, that's in my personal mission statement is oh, get okay. out of the comfort zone. Often. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, and the reason why it's in my personal mission statement is it's a reminder that if we're going to grow and if we're going to elevate anything in our lives, we have to get out of our comfort zone. Um, and, and physical exercise is, is a prime you know, example of that. If you're going to grow, if you're going to you know, not grow in weight gain, but grow in muscle and, and strength all your life. It doesn't, this isn't a, this is a choice you can make to be healthy and strong for every single day of your life. Um, and that getting out of the comfort zone can do for you in many areas, but it's easiest, right. easiestly observed in the physical ec exercise world. Sure, sure. Ironically, the not moving, I think is what causes the long-term discomfort and pain. You know, you're um, I, I've uh, recently learned about when you sit with your head forward and your arched back a little bit. Um, what, what's, there's there's a term for that. There's a phrase for that. Kyphotic, I think it is. Um, it actually will cause some of the other muscles to get shorter, and it uh, can cause long-term problems with your spine, long-term problems with your respiration. So the actual the act of moving even a little bit, even if you take the stairs every once in a while, or you park at the far end of the parking lot at the grocery store, any kind of movement is going to be valuable in helping you be more comfortable with movement as opposed to not moving, which is going to help you be more uncomfortable. So something, anything, just do it, right? Totally. Right. So there's also the reality for some people of having uh, physiological barriers where there's, they just think, I can't. I have these these limitations, and I can't. And that's a demotivator for some people. Alicia, how how do you tend to address that if you're working with someone who actually does have some physiological barriers to feeling motivated to do it? Absolutely. So, as a personal trainer, we do um, you know some testing ahead of time to see. Uh, what your movement patterns are. We talk about specific injuries that you've had in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're very detailed to address those things which could you know, cause additional injury for someone um, or just help them get over that psychological barrier that they have to this injury that they've always had or it's chronic and um, they're afraid. Um, and then another thing that we talk about a lot is, and you just talked about it too, Teddy, our bodies are made to move. So when we don't move, that is why we're causing inflammation in our bodies. That's why our joints are achy and creaky. And, um, and so it, it, you have to overcome that it's because I have these injuries that I have this soreness that I can't move and really turn that around, get moving your soreness and your chronic injuries will actually can get, will get better and definitely can get better. So you just have to get over that um, initial fear and, and just making sure again, as a trainer that we, that we are addressing those uh, what you mentioned too about, you know, sitting in your chair wrong, all of those, um, 
over a lifetime really do lead to not being able to move your body properly. So we work on moving movements properly and addressing those issues of, of tight hip flexor, hip flexors and tight hamstrings. And so we're just very careful, especially for someone as a, pardon me, someone who is a beginner that we do take it very slow. Sure. Um, but, but even as someone who's exercised a lot in their lifetime, just getting back out of being sedentary, again, you start at that first place, get moving and things will improve. Sure, sure. So it sounds like what you're saying is even if you do have some legitimate injuries, you do have some legitimate physiological barriers to this, there's something you can do. I can absolutely testify to that with the neck injury that I have. And sometimes my right shoulder hurts a whole lot. And for a long time, I thought, well, I can't do anything. I'm too hurt. I'm too hurt, which was a load of malarkey because I can do mm -hmm. core. I can do sit-ups. I can do crunches. I can go for walks. Rollerblading would be a bad idea, but I can certainly go on a, a bicycle mm -hmm. where I'm sitting upright. Um, there's always something that we can be doing, um, even if it's starting with a physical therapist to right. help you get the things moving that you felt like you hadn't been able to move before. Um, Kat, do you have any particular thoughts on, on this, the physiological uh, well, barriers? Yeah, definitely. So as both of you know, I've, I've had many injuries in my life. Um, and lot, and you know, several of them have really impacted my ability to move at all. Uh, most recently was a, a car accident where I was actually hit on my bicycle by a vehicle where I went from being the uh, at the top of my game, setting my personal best times in cycle racing and, you know, really strong and healthy to absolutely not being able to hardly walk up my stairs in my home, right? And I had to begin over again. I had to start with five minutes on a recumbent bike just to start moving. And then, and, and that took a lot of motivation, which I had inherently because I knew that, the movement, even though I was starting small and starting right there back at the beginning, was what was going to get me through these injuries, what was going to make me stronger and help me heal. And of course, I had to do it in a very, you know, organized way. You mentioned with the, I went to physical therapy, which nobody likes going to physical therapy, but it is <laughs> so important. Um, so yes, exercise and being motivated to get through that no matter where you're starting, whether you're a beginner or an athlete who's had a serious injury. Um, I used to put pictures of Lindsey Vaughn on my wall when I was going through these injuries because, you know, she's a, a famous, um, one of the world's best downhill ski racers who's had serious, awful injuries from crashes and you know, just watching her come back and that motivated me to be, well, I'm nowhere near the athlete of Lindsey Vaughn. I wanted to have that motivation surround me, right? I wanted to be like that, knowing that that's how I was going to come back. That's how I was going to get through all those broken bones and con uh, concussion and hematomas in order to be strong again was the exercise. And I had to motivate to do that. But you know what? we get a lot of benefits physiologically too from this as well. Right. So, you know, we've talked about metabolized and energized, uh, your metabolism gets stronger. Um, 
Teddy, you mentioned the desire to eat better and drink more water. Oh, <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm not going to come come home from a from a challenging exercise for me if I've had the balls to you know push myself even a little bit. I'm not going to come home and have an ice cream sundae. I'm going to come home and have some some salad and a lot of water. <laughs> I don't want to undo what I just did. So hopefully the exact reverse of what you were saying before. Um, yeah, it's it gives you these endorphins and it makes you feel stronger, not just physically, but emotionally and psychologically too. So some of the psychological barriers that some people have um, to feeling motivated, some of the things that might come up that would cause you to think, oh, I can't do that. Or, oh, I'm, I can't just, who am I? Whatever those psychological barriers might be. Alicia, do you have any, any thoughts? What are some of the psychological barriers that, that you hear? Of course I get, I hear them too. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, what haven't we heard? You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and and I'll just be kind of silly with this. I mean, truly, I've, I've had my clients say, I can't come in the gym today because my hair looks bad, or uh, I have a big zit on my face, or, um, you know, those are just some of the silly excuses. Um, but you know, people are ashamed of how they look and they don't want to be judged and they don't, um, you know, they, they feel unworthy. And frankly, when you, you do have some body fat to lose or you have, you know, some weight to lose there, it's hard to move and it's hard to put yourself out there. So um, there's a million psychological barriers sure, sure and we sure. all have them whether yeah. you've been a lifelong athlete like cat or you're just starting and truly at our gym we have everyone um, who comes in is welcomed nurtured and um praised for being there really whether they have 50 pounds to lose or they're training for their next powerlifting competition we all have those those barriers and just being at a place where you feel supported um, is is great it's really a, a good thing yeah right i would definitely agree i i mean i still go through it myself there's many times there i think oh I, i'm not good enough to to run with that group or go to the gym uh, and actually that's a true statement the gym i go to now i it was you know famous for their triathletes and their you know high level athletes there i finally went and discovered a really supportive group of people there's people on one side that push me to do better and then there's people on the other side that i can help encourage too so I think most of the time, those things are just in our own head, right? It's like, I'm not good enough to go to that gym or ride with that group of ladies. I'm too slow. I'm too fat. But really, even if those things are true, they still want you to be there and they're going to support you to be successful in it. Yeah, so, yeah. Some of the things that I hear in, in my office when I ask, okay, what have been your barriers preventing you from doing this before? I'll hear things like, I'm just too fat. It's gone too far. It's too late for me. Um, I've heard this, this, I find a very interesting one when I think about um, what will people think? The general thought is what will people think? What will these healthy people in the gym think about me? But that's not all. I also hear people talk about uh, their social group 
you know, they're with this group of people and they're, they're part of the smokers and more, they all go out to eat all the time. And if they start to improve, if they start to get healthier, or if they actually start to feel sexy or attractive, um, people might try to hold them back. Who do you think you are? Oh, now you think you're better than us, which is another psychological barrier that some people have that people don't want to be judged whether it's because you're trying or because you're not trying, people don't wanna be judged. So getting past these barriers of, of feeling low self-confidence or I don't know how, it's the actual, just do it. It starts with the just do it, starting small and building your way up because the confidence and the certainty and the knowing how is naturally going to follow. So I right. imagine it's, uh, it's helpful to hear with you, Kat, again, after doing this lifelong athlete, even with the times you've had to bounce back, that even at your level, there's this idea of, oh, if I go to this gym, what are people going to think of me? I'm not as good as they are. So uh, oh, it's yeah. kind of validating at all <laughs> the levels. It's really validating. Definitely. Um, and, and you so know, I want to bring up something because I just thought of this. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked, I think in podcast number two of this season about neuroplasticity and the value of learning something new and doing something different. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a big part of this too, is you're pushing yourself out. You're putting yourself out there. You're getting out of your comfort zone, not only physically, but also psychologically. Mm -hmm. And you're creating new pathways in your brain that are going to make you healthier mentally. I mean, I, I'll say it all podcasts long, working out is the absolute best mental health tool I have because of all those reasons. You know, it gets me out of my comfort zone. I learn new things. My body's always moving and I get that endorphin release and I feel really good about myself, about other people and, and about the world. So get over those psychological barriers and get some neuroplasticity going on. <laughs> sure, sure. Part of the way to get past the psychological barriers is the, the doing of it. And still, we hear some really, really funny excuses. Um, <laughs> like you were Absolutely. saying, yeah, some of the, the things. Um, so I would definitely encourage people to start to notice, as you were saying, Kat, not only notice what your obstacles are, notice what your barriers are, but also notice where you're just kidding yourself. This is not an excuse. Oh, I can't, I can't go to the gym. I don't have the right shoes. Okay, get on a yoga mat and stretch. Or, oh, I can't go for a swim. I don't have my swimsuit with me. Okay, well, what can you do? What can you do? Because um, these excuses can be really, really funny. And if we can allow ourselves to see them as just silly and not uh, allow them to sabotage ourselves. I would just love, I would love for each of us to just start jotting down some notes of the, the excuses that cross our minds, the thoughts that go through our heads when we're sabotaging ourselves. Do you have any like uh, little nuggets, any really funny things that certainly cross your mind when you're actively trying oh, to sabotage my. it? So, so yeah, I mean, weather is a big thing for me, right? Mm. And surprisingly enough, it has nothing to do with too cold. There's no such thing in my mind as too cold. But heat, like right now, this time of year, it's summertime while we're recording this podcast. Mm -hmm. I can talk myself out of exercise if it's over 85 degrees. So, you know, oh, it's too hot. And I don't mind sweating. That's not the problem. It's just too hot. And I don't want to go out there because it's too hot. Yeah. Um, you know, like a lot of people think it's too cold. I'll tell myself, 
well, no one's paying me to do this sport, right? So it's too hot or too cold or too rainy. So I'm going to stay in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mine is no one's paying me to do this. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be a demotivator. Do you have any really, really funny thoughts that cross your mind, Alicia, when you're sabotaging yourself or have you stopped now that you're competitive and, and feeling so good? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's really not a lot of times that I personally sabotage myself. But um, I always have people in the gyms. I'm always there saying, we're going to do this and it's going to be so fun and I can't wait. And, and I have people tell me, um, you know, your perception of fun is kind of warped. (laughs) (laughs) You hear some really funny excuses from them, I imagine. My socks don't match. (laughs) Actually, that's a, hair tie. that's a good, that's a big that's thing a now, but I forgot my socks. Huh. Mm-hmm. I happen to have a couple pair in my cubby right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eventually you get to a point where you don't, you know that you're making up silly, stupid excuses in your head and you just mm-hmm. laugh at yourself and keep going. Right. right. You know, yeah. I have actually done spin classes with no socks because that was going to be an excuse, but I didn't let it get to me. And I really wasn't interested in getting socks out of lost and found, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What if this person I don't like is there? Oh boy. Do even Mm. better then. So one of the things that I'm sure has been very helpful is when you're able to offer some motivational resources to people who are, are looking to you or things that actually motivate you when you may or may not think that you're feeling like it. Alicia, what are some of the things that really uh, help you or help your clients to feel more motivated? What resources are available? Well, my, my go-tos are have a tribe. Have people waiting for you, make an appointment. And if you don't show up, it's, you're going to be noticed, you know, that you're not there. Um, Make it fun, you know, just, again, I can't stress that more. And, and just coming from a place of gratitude. So sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll put a workout together and someone will say, oh, we have to do burpees. And I say, we get to do burpees. You know? <laughs> so it's, it's just a mindset, it's just a mindset change and, and to really, be grateful that we have bodies that can move and that we have a choice and, um, and and just making it simple. So for example, I try to get in at least 96 ounces of water a day. So the only way I know I, I accomplished that goal is to have my water bottle with me. That's 32 ounces and know that I fill it up three times a day. And you, you can just use really simple tools to keep yourself accountable. And to make it easy, uh, so many people make it hard, and it and it doesn't have to be hard. Right. You just, like you said earlier, Teddy, you get in the car and you drive to the gym. Mm-hmm. Or you get in the car and you load your bike up and you go to the bike path. Right. You don't overthink it. Just keep it simple. Right, so yeah. those are kind of my go-tos for staying motivated. Right. Uh, we have... 
we have um, a little sign in the gym. And I heard this earlier on one of your podcasts that we say, embrace the suck. <laughs> yep. Here so, it is again. <laughs> here it is again. And it's just part of if you're going to put yourself out there and grow physically and mentally, you got to think that the suck is kind of fun. <laughs> and really, exactly. even if it isn't, because for the first couple of minutes, if you didn't feel like it, the first couple of minutes might suck. But I don't know about you guys. My general experience of this is I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it until I'm about two minutes in. And then I'm really glad that I'm there. And it's probably a pretty, pretty common experience that people have is it sucks totally. until you start and then it doesn't suck anymore. Kat, what yeah. are some of your, your motivational resources? Some, some apps well, or things that are a big thing is just that I know that no matter how badly I don't want to do it when I'm getting started is I'm going to, there's never been a day I regretted working out or going to the gym, right. Yeah. Or going for a run or getting on my bike. Yeah. I mean, even the day that I got hit by a car on my bike, it was still an amazing day, right? I still had this great, beautiful ride and I remember it clearly. Mm -hmm. So, so that's a big part of it, but you know, finding things that really work for you. So I, I'm a techie kind of person. I like, I like gadgets and things like that and technology. So I, I use a Wahoo fitness tracker, right? And I use my fitness pal on Strava and I keep track of all my workouts and then I can share them with my friends. I have a little tribe, just like Alicia was mentioning, yeah, on yeah. Strava. And we're always encouraging each other on, you know, you know, giving us kudos for rides and things like that. What are these uh, apps? What do they do? This Wahoo Strava, what so, are they? So Wahoo tracks my calories burned, my heart rate, my um, outputs of watts, different things like that, so that I know that my workouts are really, you know, effective, that I'm getting the kind of workout that I need. Okay. Like if it's a intervals day, there's certain metrics that I know I'm hitting my intervals day. If it's a fat burn day, certain metrics keep me on track for that. And you don't need these things for that, but for me, it's motivating. And then I can go back and see, like I do several, you know, three different rides every day, you know, once a week, and I can go back and see my improvement. I'm getting faster. In fact, my Strava app just told me you had your best time ever on this route, you know? So those are fun. They're motivating to me. Um, a, you know, I have a trainer that we work out with, um, you know, thanks to COVID-19, he started doing um, workouts on Instagram. And again, a whole other tribe there. I don't other than my partner who I work out with here, you know, at home, I know these people only from being on Instagram, but we're all there. We're a community and, and we work out together and, and it's fun. Get up at six o'clock, three days a week in the morning to go do this workout with him. But the biggest motivator that I have is music. I love music for my workouts and I look forward to that, that time I get to spend listening to my favorite songs, celebrating my ability to move my body. And when I come back to, to home with, to be with my family or sit back down at my desk, everything is so much more clear and I'm more focused, more energized and more present than I would have been without it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Mine are a bit more 
basic. I hadn't even heard of uh, Strava or Wahoo Fitness before. For me, they're really much more basic. I like I like uh, my Fitness Pal for tracking how many calories have I one. had and keeping keeping track of how much water have I had today. What exercise have I done? So for the same reason, I can go back and look at the the progress. Um, one of the really basic uh, YouTube channels that I like a whole lot and introduce people to all the time is called Yoga by Adrian. Um, because she explains things really, really well. And as with any yoga class, you can modify to make it more challenging once you know what you're doing. But if you are starting from the basics, it's explained really well. And the same with Les Mills. Les Mills, um, I actually found at the gym, but they have an online mm -hmm. program and they offer all kinds of really good exercise programs. So if you're concerned about COVID or you're not comfortable going to the gym yet, or for whatever reason, some things that people can be doing at home, but definitely I am with you on the music. I've got a morning routine that I try to do almost everything, almost every day. And I try to do them within a half hour of getting up. First things first, before I even get out of bed, the alarm clock starts with music that I find um, invigorating, uh, something that makes me feel like getting up and moving. So uh, yeah, even if it starts with, I'm just gonna enjoy the first couple bars of the song and stretch in bed. It's something that you just feel like moving your body. Um, well, I think this has been great. Uh, Alicia, do you have anything else that you'd like to add? I guess I'd just like to add uh, and just say thank you for inviting me on to this podcast and talk. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and again, I guess the, the thing I'd like to leave is just having that gratitude and being thankful and amazed that what our bodies are actually capable of and that you can do whatever you set your mind to you really can so that's what i'd like to end with thank you very good thank you alicia kat how about you yeah well you know i just was thinking about this um throughout the podcast but you know what teddy you and i met at the gym we did. We I had forgotten. Yeah. A long time ago, we met at a gym in a, an aerobics class. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, that created, that was the beginning of our lifelong friendship, our work together. Mm -hmm. And even at this point, this podcast. So you just never know what stepping out of that comfort zone is going to do for you. Yeah, you're going to get more fit. You're going to feel better. You're going to age more gracefully, for lack of a better way of putting it. But there's all these other intrinsic things that are going to come out of it too, like new friendships, new opportunities. And, you know, just being able to live at that higher state of being, which is what we're all trying to achieve, everyone who's listening to this podcast. And it's just such a great celebration of life to be able mm -hmm. to get out there and do these things and see how it helps to unfold things for you. Right, yeah. right. So get so those in the words. and watch everything, <laughs> watch the things start rolling, watch everything start, start going even better for you. That's wonderful. Right, right. Thank you both so much. Thank you both so much for, uh, for playing along with us today. So uh, to all of our listeners, I hope you enjoyed it. Go ahead and uh, check us out on www.higherstateofbeing.com. We look forward to seeing you in two weeks. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Higher State of Being. We invite you to visit higherstateofbeing.com and become part of our community. 
Here you will find the guided meditations and resources to help you on your journey. Subscribe and get full access to all downloadable meditations, deeper resources, and much more. Visit higherstateofbeing.com.